Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here across the table from me is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. That's right. we got to change the directional, I guess, introduction. That's right. Ever since we moved out of the old uh, corner booth at the Catholic Cafe, you used to be to my left. Right. And I keep saying that, even though you're sitting directly across from me, so anybody watching is probably like, man, he needs glasses or (laughs) a better sense of direction. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. So it's old school directions. Yeah, like to the left of you is Jesus on the crucifix and wood. Right. That's not Victor. (laughs) Well, man, what's up? How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm better. Um, this weekend, we, you know, with St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And, of course, Ella, who's my youngest, uh, has really thrown herself into, like, the Irish dancing. So, oh, yeah, we, you yeah. know, we did a trip to Disney World, went to, like, Raglan Road, I think is like a, a restaurant, English, like a pub, Irish pub in Disney World. And she really was, like, interest, interested in the dancing that was going on there. And she says, I want to dance. So I want to learn how to do that. So it was all her. And we see, we did the research. And sure. so for, for a year now, She's been learning how to do all the Irish dances and River stuff, dance and, stuff and, yeah. and all, yeah. So she's, I mean, she loves it, and you know, she has a whole. They had that whole dressed up in like the, you know, the dress so with the sash and then the hair all you know curled and stuff. Yeah, well, she's the, got the red hair, right? So that right. So she, down. she, I mean, plays the part perfectly. But, but anyways, we, they did. They went around like to Collierville, to Memphis, and all all the like retirement homes to perform in front of. The seniors, um, sure. and then at the end of it at uh, Celtic Crossy, which is like a big kind of Irish pub here in Memphis, yeah, and so Midtown, yeah. a lot of people were there and, and watched them dance, and you know got in the mood, the spirit of the the Catholics, you know St. Patrick's, you know uh, sure. holiday, I guess you could say, yeah. Well, it was yeah, and we were up at the fish fry at, at the parish yeah. cooking fish. I mean, we the bishop gave a dispensation here locally that. You know, if you wanted to have meat on Friday to celebrate, if you're Irish or something, or someone who just right. wanted to, you know, celebrate in the feast day in that way, you could as long as you, you know, fasted another day from meat. So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have the biggest crowd in the world, but uh, right. it didn't have any green beer. Um, I think Angela partook in a little bit of Jameson, and uh, you know, but it was a good day. I wore my green, didn't get pinched any. But, right. But no, it was a, you know, it was a. Uh, I always loved the holiday. It was weird at falling on a Friday of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it does that every seven years. Right. And March <laughs> March Madness, too, going yeah, on. Yeah, so, so there's a like, lot of yeah. crazy stuff going on this weekend. Right. But, man, I'm glad to be back in here. You know, it's this is my first weekend home in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, the last three weekends we had been in, uh, gosh, I think Conway, Arkansas, and then Phoenix, and then the West Coast. Uh, yeah, out yeah. In, in, in Oregon City, Oregon. That was a great time. I enjoyed being with those uh those those folks out there just you know so glad to be out there and and working and starting another group uh the lord continues to lead us into that victor you know we've we've got stuff on the schedule for april and june and july all the way through Mm -hmm. september now of either going and doing follow-ups to men's conferences where you know those are for the purpose of, of of helping guys raise their hand and say yes i want something in my parish and then us going into those parishes and helping them or just going to parishes that have heard about what we've been doing you know, we've gotten a lot of calls, and this is very flattering. You know, we're getting calls now where people are saying, we want men's ministry in our parish, or we want something like you're describing, a place for men to be real and authentic in our in our parish. And, and we hear you're the guy to call. And mm-hmm. it's so humbling to hear that, you know, that um, that people are starting to look at us that way of, hey, we can go in there and help them do something. And it just means the Lord's doing a great work through our yes. And, 
and what we're building is lasting. And that's the thing that's that's uh, that struggle with men's ministry is guys get things started, but oftentimes it's one guy doing it. Um, you know, they're showing up and, and putting on a video, and it mm-hmm. just kind of festers out. You know, what we're really doing is going and teaching the structure and the leadership model, which a lot of ministries don't really do. We A lot of us have DVD sets and things like that to use in groups, but nobody spends a lot of time on how to actually build a group, structure a group, find people who want to lead a group, get people bought in on the vision, and then help them get it launched. And that's what we've been doing, man. And so been going the last three weekends doing that. If you're interested in that, uh, you know, for us to come to your parish, for me to come and do that mission, and which is for men and women, and then start and implement a group there in your parish, you can find out more about that or sign, sign up to speak with me at justagonthepew.com. There's an events and book me page. You can go there and certainly uh, sign up on the form there, and I'll call you. Lucy will get in touch with you. But either way, we'd just be overjoyed to sit down and talk with you for a few minutes about how we could help in your parish. Uh, but Victor, it's been nice to be home. You know, I, I love being on the road and working for God, but man, it's nice mm-hmm. to be home too. And this was the first weekend I was home and, um, you know, so it was good to be here. Uh, the other thing I want to mention too is, is the pilgrimage, man, we're getting closer and closer. We're really uh, right at almost two months away tomorrow, I guess would be actually we're under two months away because yeah. we, we would be coming back tomorrow if we were two months away. So we're going to the Holy land, Father Larry Richards and I. Uh, we are leaving on May the 10th, and we'll be back on the 21st. It's a 12-day pilgrimage. Uh, I'm super excited about it. We have about 10 spots left. So if you've been on the fence about going, you need to sign up because they're going quickly every day. Father just sent out an email. We're posting things, and we're getting people signing up every day. But we've got about 10 spots left, and we'd love for you to join us. I am so excited. I was talking to Angela about it. We can't wait to get on that plane and get over there and just start walking the footsteps of our Lord. We can't meet, wait to meet the people that are going. And if you're someone who's considering going with us, we can't wait, mate, blah, we can't wait to meet you. Right, we can't wait to just spend you're so, twelve. You're days so excited, you. you're just you're, yeah. yeah can't get right. words right. That's right. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of people taking pilgrimages over there right now. There's a couple local priests and some other people I know, and so I've seen their pictures and their videos, and I'm just excited to go experience that myself with all of the people that are going with us. So, if you want to sign up, if you want to take one of these last ten spots, go to justagathepew.com. Go to our book me page. Right there in the middle of the page, you'll see the pilgrimage. You can click on it. It'll take you to our. Uh, trusted pilgrimage partners so, uh, select international travel page go there and then you can sign up you can register you can call them with any questions you have but we would love you, for you to come with us uh, we're going to have a great time I I'm, promise you I'm going to make sure and do everything in my power to make sure you enjoy it and that you learn the most that you can there with our wonderful guides but also feel like you have the trip of a lifetime and that's what what's important to Father Larry and I is that you feel that way when you come back so that maybe you'll want to travel with us again but that you have some of the best memories and you come back transformed by walking in the footsteps of Christ. So if you're on the fence, get off the fence. Come and join us. Take one of the last 10 spots. We've got some room left. You can sign up by going to justaguyinthepew.com and checking that out. Finally, I want to thank all the folks who have been donating. It seems like every week or every other day, people are starting to give 25 bucks here, $100 a month here. You know, I'm going and sitting with people locally here. They're helping us at our mission, Victor. And it just... It's been awesome because people are seeing what we're doing. They're seeing the work that's being accomplished through uh, the ministry, and they want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. People know that men have simply abdicated the faith, that men aren't stepping up in the faith the way that we're called to, to be the spiritual leaders of our family and of our churches. And so they want to be a part of the solution. And, you know, I tell people a lot, you know, you say, well, how can I help? Well, if you have means, give. You know, God doesn't need every single one of us out there doing the same job, right? 
But if there's people already out there that are doing it effectively, then he does call people to support it. And so that's the way a lot of people can help is to, to if you've been blessed, if, you, if you've got some, some funds that you could share, you could be a part of this mission. It's not just Victor Zion's mission. When you give money, you become a part of it and you become a part of the solution and, and, and a part of the fight and fighting to bring men back to the faith. So we invite you to consider that. If you want to give, you can go to donorbox.org pew, or you can simply go to justaguyonthepew.com and click donate. All of it goes to support the efforts of what we're doing in the ministry and also helps us grow and hire more people to accomplish the things that God has put in front of us. So for all of you that have given and continue to give monthly, thank you. That's what we need is those monthly donations so we know what we have coming in and we know what we have to work with. So thank you if you've done that on your own. If it's on your heart now to give, please continue to pray about it. I will you know, just straight, straight up ask you to, to give if you would like to and you feel called to. Um, every bit of it goes to help us uh, you know, bring people into this loving relationship and knowledge of our risen Lord that brings them into wholeness and into a new life with him. And that's what we want to help people do is realize they're not the sum of their sins and their shame, but the sum of God's love for them. So, Victor, that brings us into a good segue of what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, in my travels, especially in the last three weeks, it's just been constant. Um, and when we're going and giving these missions, it's all about identity. It's all about coming into the knowledge that you're not the sum of your sins and the sum of your shame and all of that, that you're the sum of God's love for you. And on every one of these missions, you know, it, I'll get through one of the talks, whether it's my conversion story or or the you the, the uh uh, identity talk or whether mm-hmm. it's it, it's the final one on the relationship with Jesus, there's always so many people that come up to the table where the merchandise is and they just spend the first couple minutes there talking about how it's affecting them. And I'm not sharing this to say, look at me and what I'm doing. It's just the message is hitting home. There's so many people out there that are just stuck in their brokenness. And, you know, the last one I was in in Oregon, this guy came up with his family and he just, he looked at me and he looked like he longed to say something. And he just shook my hand and tears welled up in his eyes. And he said, I'll never forget this day. And I said, well, would you like to talk? And he said, I, I, I can't right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to say. He said, I, I would love to shoot you an email sometime. And he took a card and I hope he does that. I hope he's listening now and he hears me and he does that. You know, another guy walked up and he shook my hand and he said, please don't ever forget to pray for me, brother. Everything you've said today is exactly what I need to hear in my life. And please pray for me. Gave me his name and his number and all that stuff. Um, several women have come up and, and said, please pray for my son, my daughter, my husband, my, my uncle, my, my father. There's just this great brokenness that we all feel in our lives at one time or another. And, and unfortunately, so many of us sit in that. Um, even coming home in the last few, few days of this past week, people that I know and love, people that are in our family, people that are, are in our circle, you know, that are up at these fish fries or up at church events with us, it just seems like the Lord is is putting me in situations where people are coming up and just saying, do you have a few minutes? Mm-hmm. And I sit down and, and people are just pouring out through their tears and through their cracked voices and through their the shaking and the trembling of their hands, just this prison cell that they've been locked in, man, of their own brokenness. And and the thing is, you know, Victor, I, I was sitting down and, and, and I'd been kind of racking my brain about what to talk about. And so often I worry that we're talking about the same things too much. But honestly, Victor, I think it's because that's what the Lord wants us to talk about, right? Why go talk about all these other things when there's so many people that aren't even in the spot to be able to receive those things because they can't get past their own brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so as I was thinking about, well, it's Lent, let's do something on forgiveness or Lent, let's do something on loving well, and maybe those will be the next shows we do. The Lord just hit me in the face a couple times in the last couple weeks about 
how so many people are stuck in this place of like their sins of their past, right? The sins that, that are haunting them, the, the torture I see. Like I literally sat with a guy Friday at a table for an hour and just watched him break down and just cry and, and just shake and, and, and lament over the fact that he couldn't get out of this place he's been in. And it's things that happened in his life 30 years ago, 20 years ago, yet they're still tormenting him. And so, Victor, today, I just I want to talk about brokenness. And, and the title of this show is You're Broken. Mm-hmm. Now let's move past it. Because I, I think that sometimes we have to receive all these things in love, but we also have to, to, to witness the truth well, too. And when people are opening up this stuff, we can't allow people to just sit in that. Like we have to preach this truth and this, the truth is God broke himself. Jesus broke himself on the crucifix so that we could be healed, right? On the cross, I mean, the crucifix was something that came later, obviously, the the design of all of that. And what we look to as Catholics to remind us of what's been done for us. But Jesus came down here and broke his body, gave everything so that we could be restored, so that we could be healed. And we have to, we have to lean into that. But, but so often in our lives, Victor, when we're convicted and we've been listening to the wrong voice in our life, we lean the other way back into the mistakes that we've made and we allow that to become who we are and to pile on us so greatly and so heavily, so heavily that we can't dig our way out. We don't see that there's a way out. So today, I just there's not a lot of notes. There's not a lot of things here. But when I read the, the gospel readings and the, and the the readings of, of this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, we're doing the show right after church today, where you were and I were our lector today. These readings spoke exactly into that, right? Mm-hmm. From the from the first part of of Samuel going and calling, um, you know, looking for the king, and and God is telling him, you know, Samuel's showing up and saying, That's gotta be him, that's gotta be him. And it's God saying, No, like you see as man sees, you're looking at the exterior, but God sees the heart. And that's the thing, is so many of us, Victor, we build up these facades and these masks and we we build up these malls it's uh, these walls it's almost like we're mudding ourselves into this this prison cell where people can't really see the real us we paint the outside of what we want people to see and and so many of these people i've talked to lately are are from the outside looking in are great practicing catholics they're showing up and they're doing everything and they're praying the rosary and they're going to holy hours and they're at mass and they're doing all these things we're asked to do but man they they'll choose somebody like it's just been me lately to open up to and and the lord sees their heart and he's allowing this stuff to fester there so that they come out of that place to 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 cry for help and that's what we're supposed to be here for is to cry for help and the second reading in ephesians victor even goes into like you were once darkness but now you are light and the lord live as children of the light is what it's saying for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth and it says, take no part in the fruitless works of darkness anymore, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. I mean, when I read that in light of where the, the situation the Lord's been putting me in for other people lately, I thought this is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about today is this brokenness and how we have to come out of it. Like, yes, okay, you're broken. Admit it, but now it's time to move past it and not let that be who we are anymore. You're talking about the amazingness of the love of God. You know, um, the Holy Spirit has so many gifts, and He and He desires all of us to be close to Him as well as the Father and to the Son, which is Jesus Christ. And I think for people to open up, to be vulnerable, is a gift of the Holy Spirit because then it allows you or that person 
to be able to be honest with themselves and to be honest with others that I am hurting. I, I need I need aid. I need assistance. I need something more than I can provide for myself. And the attentiveness of the body of Christ. Now, we are all supposed to take care of our brothers and sisters. So when we see a fellow brother or sister that is in pain, who is hurting, who needs time to be present with us, just listen. You know, be be present with them. And and just by being present with them, you're showing love. You're showing support. But also what you're doing, you're providing aid to assess what they might need to do. You know, I can help you. I can pray for you. I can do this. Have you seen the priest? Have you gone to confession? You know, give them that 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 aid of, like, support and say, you know, I can help you. Whatever you need me to do, I'll help you with. And that's 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 a gift we can bring every day to someone when we're attentive as, as the body of Christ. And being attentive to the present moment. Right. I mean, uh, you know, one of the guys I spoke to lately, he actually stopped me after Mass a few weeks ago and asked me if I would be at some events at the church. And I said, no, I'm traveling. And then he said, well, when you get back, I'd like to talk to you. And we did. We sat down and we talked. And I'm not going to share names or what he talked about. But this man is somebody I respect. He's he's an older guy. And, and you know, he's been active in the church and taught RCIA at one time and all these things. And, and uh, you know, at, at different times of his life, but when we sat down, it just within seconds, you know, tears welled up. And he started to pour out all these things that he had done wrong in his life. And some of them were really wrong things, really bad things. But Victor, like our brokenness, you know, as he was telling me this, it was almost as like as, as he was explaining why he was disqualified, right? Why why he, he shouldn't be loved, why he wasn't worthy of love and all those things. And that's the way brokenness always comes out. We feel this great pain and this sorrow and this regret for the things that we've done and we feel dirty and we feel shameful and rejected and broken and so many people I know that are listening to the show right now are feeling that way I mean it's Lent and this is part of why we go through Lent is it's a penitential season like the Lord starts to allow these things to well up in us because we're supposed to be marching towards Christ Christ goes through all this suffering for us why so that we don't have to continue to suffer on our own and Yet when we feel all this shame, this regret, and this hurt, and this darkness, and this just disgust with ourselves, we start kind of digging in our own grave and, and, and almost filling the dirt in around ourselves and burying ourselves, burying ourselves because we feel like th- that's all that is left to do is for us just to sit here in, in torment and in torture until we die. But the thing about our brokenness and our wounds is that God allows those things to hurt and fester for a reason, not so that we're convicted you know, further of our shame and our guilt and that we're supposed to feel even more broken than we are. It's so that he's shining light into those areas, right? It's just like if you cut your arm very badly or you break your arm or, or, or there's some sort of rash or something on you, something that draws attention to that, to that spot. Ow, this hurts. You know, that, that throbbing of a broken bone. Something is wrong here. I need to go see someone about this, right? There needs to be attention brought to this. In that same light with our physical wounds, God allows that, that shame and that brokenness. He doesn't cause it. He allows it so that we draw attention to those spots within us that need his attention, right? This, this, our, we've got to start look, stop looking at our brokenness as this like, oh, I'm just disqualified. And no, this is a, a red blinking light, a yellow caution light that something's wrong in our life and that God is trying to draw not only our attention to it, but, but you know, someone else's attention to it that can help us come out of it. And 
you know, this is the thing. Like, this is why we know we need healing with these things that are so broken. And and this man was pouring all this stuff out. And he said, and I'm doing what I know to do. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. But it's like, yeah, and you're trying to do it on your own. But God is the one that has to do the healing. We cannot heal ourselves. Right. I don't care how how much how many how many pull-ups you do or how many bench presses you do or or how many times you're trying to pull yourself out of a situation, oftentimes we can't get ourselves out. It's like being in quicksand and every time we try to move, we sink further, right? Because we don't have someone giving us a lifeline and God has given us so many lifelines in the sacraments. But yet when we feel so disgusted with ourselves, those are the first things we turn away from. I asked this man, I said, have you been to confession? And he said, no. And he said, I said, why? And he goes, and he starts telling me all the reasons why he didn't feel worthy to go. And he said, and I just, I just feel like God's so ashamed of me. And God's just, he can't love me. And God doesn't want anything to do with me. And if he did, he would really help me. And I'm going, but are you really asking for help? Or are you still just wallowing around in this, in, in this pain? That's why I said, you're broken. It's time to move on, right? It's time to move past it. Yes, we're all broken. But God didn't come to this earth and break his body so we would stay in the position of lamenting over how messed up we are. No, he came to be a light that calls us out of that. And and here's the thing, Victor. I told him, I said, you know, brother, I'll just say that, brother instead of his name. What what is what do you think God is sees in you that he doesn't want any part of? But he goes, Well, all this that I've done, all this and that. I said, as Catholics, we believe there's a plan for our life, right? And he goes, Yeah. The plan of salvation that we're supposed to take a part in. And I go, yeah. And so if God knew there was a plan for your life, then guess what? Before he loved you into existence, he knew everything you were ever going to do. All these things that you're disgusted by, he knew you were going to do before you ever were, were born. And he and guess what? If, if that's the case and you were born, then he knew about it and he created you anyway. Right? He allowed you to exist anyway. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you that he's not concerned with the things that you've done wrong? He's only concerned with the things that you can get right in your life and that that you can get right enough to go and to be a light and a beacon to someone else to reach back in the same muck you're in and pull yourselves out of. It's just like in the gospel when he says to, to, um, to Peter and the apostles, he says, the devil has asked for every one of you. He's asked to sift every one of you like wheat. And when he's done with you, you then have to step up and turn back to your brothers and pull them along. That's what he says, paraphrased to Peter. The devil is asked to, to sift you like wheat, right? And that's what this brokenness and the shame and this, this, this merciless torture we allow ourselves to go through. The devil is just sifting you like wheat, trying to convince you that there's no purpose for you and that there's no goodness in you and that God can't love you. But at some point, you're sifted so hard that the only thing left to do is turn to God and realize that, you know what, he loved you in spite of it. He loved you enough to come down here and be broken, physically broken, so that you don't have to stay in that place anymore. And Victor, we allow ourselves to be in this prison cell. And the thing is, the only one that keeps us there is us. We become our own jury and judge and executioner. The only person that has a key to that cell is us. Mm -hmm. God is on the other side of that jail cell, and he's done everything he can do. He sent Jesus to die for you and, and to bring you back into the Holy Family so that you will repent of your sins and turn to him. But the only one that can actually stick that key in that door and turn it and open it is us. But it's only if we start believing the truth that God loves us and that we're worthy of his love, not because of anything that we've done, but because he says so. 
That's the only time in our life that things can get better. And then in that moment, when we start to believe that, we can start to reach out for the branches that he's leaving over in that prison cell, in that quicksand we put ourselves in to pull us out of it. But Victor, so many of us, we get stuck in that part where I'm not good enough, and we play that record again and again and again in our head until we're so broken and we're so beaten down that we believe there's no hope for us. Well, we, we need to look at the word unworthiness as like a spiritual disease. If we see that it is a spiritual disease, and it, the, the concept of the disease is to keep us from him, not God keeping us from him, but the enemy keeping us from getting to closer to God. Okay, that's what that I'm talking about. So when we identify unworthiness being a main feeling or main concern in our life, in our prayer life, we have to look at it and say, where is this coming from? I know that I am loved by God. Like you were saying, he created us for a purpose. He created us out of love. Therefore, there's love there between us, always there. You know. So when we know that we are loved, we know that, that unworthiness is a lie from the enemy, then we have to kind of understand that there are things that we need to do, pray, seek help, and grow from where we are. We can't stay there, like you said. We can't stay there and continue to pile on our, our I guess, unworthiness of our thoughts, right, to where we cocoon ourselves and try to isolate ourselves from God's love. Right, and we know what's out there, the sacraments and all those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I was talking to him, as I've talked to so many other men and women about this stuff, it's like the first thing I'll say is, have you been to confession? And they, no. No, and you just the head goes down. You're like, why? Right. Like the God of the universe is sitting there. Like I said, He knew what you were going to do before you ever did it. He waits for you there to simply say right. it's okay and it's, I forgive you. It's like the antidote. Right. right. It is, and, and it's. But yet we pour ourselves away from it. Right. right. And and it's we can't do anything on our own. All the things that we're doing wrong in our life, the shame, the guilt, the the mistakes, the the vices we're going to, all the shameful things that we're running up against our life. They're like demons that are holding us down, and we can't get up from that. And when we go to confession, when we make that choice to go into that room and to do the hard things, you know, we need to quit looking at it like, well, this priest is, I know this priest, or he's going to think this way of me, or he's going to judge me. No, he's not. He's going to do what he's supposed to do in that moment. He's going to listen to you, and he's going to hear you out, and he's going to draw you into what the Lord wants you to hear, and then he's going to give you absolution. He's going to give you that mercy that breaks those chains and binds you. We got to stop acting like the, the demonat, right? The demonic mm-hmm. guy that was outside of, of uh, Gerasene, right? I don't even know if I said that right. But he's the one where Jesus pulls up and he's out there and he's in a cave and they've chained him up outside of town and he's doing nothing but like beating himself. It said every night he would wail and beat himself. He would break free from the chains and just scream and holler everybody. But he, every time I hear that, that, that story in the Bible, that, that tale recounted, like I just I imagine myself sitting there in, in so many places I've been in my life where I've just sat there and Jesus is on a boat coming to me and he's standing in front of me and yet I'm continuing to scream and yell and to beat myself and to to punish myself and to bruise myself, right? And and to just to refuse his help. But Jesus is standing there. And as we've talked about so many times, you know, Victor, God is never gonna force us to love him. He's never going to force us to come to him because that's not what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm-hmm. Like, love is forgiving. Love waits. And God waits for all of us in the things that he's given us as Catholics, especially in this time of Lent, in that confessional for us to take this brokenness to him. I don't care if you're the most formed Catholic in the room. These people I'm talking about, more often than not, they know the answer. 
But even in knowing the answer, it's our shame that beats us down. And we've got to be better than that. We have to be preaching the truth in our life and know that, that okay, yes, I know I need to go to confession. Okay, well, then get off your butt and go to confession. Mm-hmm. If you want to be better, then stop hitting yourself with a stick the devil's given you to hit yourself with. Throw it down. Say, I've had enough. The, the young man and the prodigal son, right? I shall go home to my father. Yes, I've done all of these things wrong, but maybe he'll accept me. And guess what? He will. God stands there in this in this posture of, of waiting, longing for us to return to him, right? We see it again and again in the scriptures and in the, in the story that Jesus tells in the parables is there's not this damnation that waits on us. There is if you don't repent. Right. But if you're willing to say enough of this, like enough of this torture, I want out, and you're willing to go in humility and vulnerability to him and to pour out what's wrong in your life, then all every one of those people has ever met with is with mercy, right? Is with mercy. St. Paul, in, in all the things that he did wrong, our boy St. Paul sitting here on the table in front of us, like he wasn't met with chastisement in, 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 in a God who was angry and kicked him away from him and said, you go back and you sit in that prison cell where you belong. No, God met him and said, all right, I have a plan for your life, right? Finally, I've been waiting for this day for you to get out of that and to come to me, right? He didn't sit there and go, you murdered thousands of my people and I have no use for you. Right. And you sit in that torture the rest of your life. God looked at him and said, I don't care what's about what's been done. I care what needs to be done and what I want to do through you. And the thing is, Victor, we have to get to the point in our life where we realize that the only time God ever cares about what we've done is when we refuse to repent of it, when we, we allow it to hold ourselves back, right? When we allow it to become chains in a prison cell that bind us and we don't break free from those things. That's the only time that God is concerned with what about what we've done is when we're allowing it to hold us in place and keep him, keep us from him. But Victor, I mean, in this Lenten season, I just, I don't know. And today, and in my own brokenness, in my own my own return to those things so often in my life, I just feel like this is a message people need to hear today. Mm-hmm. Is that there's more to you than what you've done, right? That there's, there's not a, the only time you ever have a sentence that is born of those things that you've done is when you're the one striking your own gavel, right? When you're the only one that's locking yourself in that place and throwing away the key. But you have someone who's done so much for you. He's gone to the great lengths, everything he could possibly do to bring you back into a spot to understand that he loves you. Victor, I, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how to to move forward in, in this podcast. Like, I feel like I'm I'm repeating myself over and over again, but I think it's because God wants so many people to hear this again and again and again. And me in particular, and, and maybe some of the people lately that have come to us on these trips and and maybe this episode's out there for them to listen to, to reinforce what they heard at the missions. But man, if you're broken out there, there is hope for you. There's a better life. There's a better way. And and if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, the things I want you to do right now is uh, look at a crucifix. <laughs> you know, look at a crucifix and and really look at it. I mean, we see it as a decoration in a church and something fancy to put around our neck or on the end of a rosary, but really look at it. Gaze upon the Lord and what he did for you, right? I mean, we're in this Lenten season and we're in the thick of, of scripture right now that is every single day leading us to this path to where Jesus is going to willingly go and take on the sufferings of the world, like things that should have been you and me that he takes a place of and stands firmly in front of every whip, every lashing, every punch, every beard pull, every spit, every betrayal by the people that he loves. 
He's doing that for you, and he would do it as if you were the only person that ever lived. Has that become real in your life? Because to be honest, I don't know that it's always real in my life. And yet here is this God of the universe that saw fit to love you so completely that he would pour out everything that he had for you. Not for you to sit in a place feeling sorry for yourself and wallowing in the mistakes that you've made, but for you to come out of that, to live for others, and to stop wallowing in your own pity and self-hatred and all those things. You're better than that. You're better than that. And if you don't believe it, look at that crucifix and stop looking at it as if God did it for everybody else and, and realize that he's looking right back at you saying, I did this for you. Not so that you could sit there and, and recount all the bad things in your life, but so that you know that there's hope and there's mercy and there's love poured out when that, when that spear went into his side. Water and blood flowed out, the birth of the church, the birth of mercy. So that you don't have to be that person anymore. But it takes responsibility on our side. It takes getting up and dusting yourselves off and saying, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go into that confessional. And I'm going to pour myself out everything I've done wrong. I'm not going to get in some confessional line five minutes before mass. I'm going to call the priest and tell him I need help in my life. And I'm going to go and I'm going to meet him in that place of mercy. So many of us, Victor, we look at that place as like another torture device to go into. We have to go through it all. No, it's a place where you can lay it down. <laughs> where you can lay it down and say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to carry it anymore. And there's a God who says, good, I've been waiting for this. Mm -hmm. I want to carry that. I did carry that on that cross for you. I did carry it. I saw it thousands of years ago in the past. And I've been longing for the day when you realize that that's what I'm here for, to carry what you can't so that you can be rid of it, you can be freed from it, and you can become something that I always knew you could be. And Victor, our world needs people like that. And Lent is this perfect time to be able to do that. It's to go and to lay it all out. God paid that price. You have that money in your pocket. Go and trade it in for that mercy that he gave himself everything of himself for so that you can hear from a father that he's not disgusted by you, that he doesn't want to punish you, that he doesn't want you to wallow in that the rest of your life, but he wants you to be free and he wants you to hear that I love you. Beyond anything else, I love you, and that's what matters. There is one opinion that matters in this life, and it's not the evil ones that you've been hearing all your life when you've been beating yourself up. He's handed you a freaking baseball bat, and you have beat yourself to a pulp for years because of it. You don't need to listen to that voice. You certainly don't need to listen to your own voice about what you think about you. There's one that matters, and that voice sits in that confessional, and he is waiting for you this Lent to go in there so that he can tell you how much he loves you. Victor, I apologize for talking so much. I just, this is the core message of our faith. Mm -hmm. And so many of us, we go to church and we, we open the door and we're sitting there, and we're doing everything we should and we're saying our rosaries every day and we're doing everything that we're told to do as Catholics, but we, if we don't get this right, none of it matters. Mm -hmm. None of it matters. We are all broken, we are all wounded, and God waits for us to come to that understanding and to not hide it from it, 
not to shy away. I don't care if people have done things to you that you're disgusted by or you've done things to other people. God waits there and he stands there with a hand above you, not a hand up in a slap or a torture or a torment, but a hand of mercy down to you. And we all need to hear this. If we don't hear this, none of it matters. And so I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a lot of broken stuff in me, and I'm preaching to myself. I don't know, Victor. I well, I mean, please, I don't know what no, to say. Man. I mean, you said it so so well, and I think what we're, where you're kind of when you're speaking, what image came to mind was when Jesus went to the pool and saw the paralytic there, right? A man who has been broken, unable to walk for numbers of years, at the same place for over and over and over again, staying in the same place, hoping that something would be better be better but eventually he lost hope until jesus came into his life and when jesus healed him what happened not only was he restored but he said take up your mat and leave because you're never coming back here again yeah and we have to to realize that when we are broken that we do not sit there in our own mess and marinated in it to where we think that we are no value to him at all because we are valuable we are we are his children we are the, the brothers and sisters of Christ. So we have value. We have the, the ability to change the hearts and minds of the people around us to show God's love, to show the faith that it just, the light that comes from us. And I think you said something like we were talking before, like Bishop Fulton Sheen said a quote, that when we are broken, the light of God shines brighter within us. Yeah, he says he says broken things are precious. Yeah. He said we eat broken bread because we share in the depth of our Lord and his broken life. Broken flowers give perfume. Broken incense is used in adoration. A broken ship saved Paul and many other pastors on their way to Rome. Sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into some hearts is to break them. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, it's this brokenness is not a punishment from God. And so many times people feel like it is like I'm being punished and it turns their anger and their hatred towards God because they're tired of hurting. And that's exactly what the devil wants. And the, his plan from the beginning was to turn Adam and Eve away from God. And that's why we're in this mess. And that's why we feel this brokenness and the shame and all those things. But that brokenness isn't meant to torment us. It's supposed to be a, a light bulb coming on saying something's not right and I can't fix it myself which means I'm in need of a savior, right? I'm in need of someone else who can heal me. And it's a call to come back to a relationship that's been severed to a father who waits and loves us. And St. Augustine also, you know, echoes that in a quote. He says, in my deepest wound, I saw your glory and it dazzled me, right? And it dazzled me. We all know that St. Augustine is, you know, one of the fathers of the church, one of the greatest spiritual thinkers ever in the church. And here he was this, you know, this, this just, just womanizing, boozing, you know, just just crazy lifed guy who didn't even meet the Lord until his 40s, honestly. Mm-hmm. Didn't even come back to him. And then he wrote all this that has been such a gift to the church. But only somebody who's been broken like that can say something like that. In my deepest wound, I saw your glory, and it dazzled me. You know, Victor, I, I don't have a theology degree. I haven't had any higher learner, learning. I dropped out of college without you know within a year. But I know one thing, and it's the one thing that I think matters most, that Jesus loves all of us so much that we'll never even be able to fathom it. And it doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, in the the way the Lord uses me is because I have been broken, and I know what it feels like, and I know 
what it feels like to want to take your own life. I know what it feels like to feel like that the world's closing in and there, there is no light in your life and there's nothing else but the same broken path that you've walked down. But I also know what it's like to know that that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this ministry isn't fancy and it's not, I, I can't bedazzle anyone with my knowledge of the Summa or any of those things like that. But what I can give you, and I feel sometimes like Peter and John, you know, when in, in the Acts of the Apostles, when they're walking in and there's this, this man who needs healing and he says, please give me alms. And, and he says, we don't have silver or gold, but what I can give you is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what I long to do with my life for all these people that the Lord continues to put broken people in my path because I am a broken person and I've been broken terrible ways in my life, but I also have been redeemed and redemption is out there and it's out there for every one of us. And I know that we've gone long and this is a 40 minute episode, but my brothers and sisters, there's so many new followers that we're picking up every week, right? That are listening to the show. And, and even if you're not new, every single one of us needs to hear this again and again and again in our lives because the devil never stops. He never stops like whipping at us and, 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 and cackling at us and tormenting us and, 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 and trying to convince us that we're never more than what we've done. And my brothers and sisters, you have to stop listening to that voice. You have to stop listening to that loud scream and listening for that soft whisper that's always there going, I love you. Don't believe him. Don't listen to him. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. That's what God is longing through all the sacraments. He's saying, look at me. Through every daily mass all over the world, every day, look at me. Through every Bible that's ever been printed, look at me. Listen to me. My opinion is the one that matters. Don't ever mistake this. The devil wants you every bit as bad in hell with him as God wants you as bad with him in heaven. And the battlefield of our life and the, and the fight that really matters in our life is the one that's taking place in our minds and in our hearts each and every day. And it matters which side you take up, which side you listen to. Not only to you, but to those around you, your family and people like that. My brothers and sisters, if we don't deal with our wounds and we don't start to come out of that brokenness and come into that mercy of God, then we're not only going to sit in them ourselves, we're going to bring everyone we love in our lives into them as well. Because our wounds don't only affect us, they affect everybody around us. I got one more quote for you. (laughs) And I'm going to try to figure out how to end this show. St. Paul of the Cross says, When we have fallen, let us throw ourselves into the ocean of his goodness where every failing will be canceled and and anxiety will be turned into love. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. And that's what he wants for you this Lent. We've talked about detachment. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about what's the one thing in your life. Now we're talking about your brokenness and your need for healing. If you're somebody who doesn't think you need healing, you need to sit down and look at your life. If you're somebody who's in desperate need and you know it, then what you've got to do is the things that you don't want to do the hard things, go to confession, stare into that crucifix and look at what's been done for you and take it to heart, personalize it. That was done for me, not just for everybody else, but for me. Take yourself vulnerably into the things that are wrong in your life. Then take yourself vulnerably into that confessional and share it with God and then find other people in your life to walk with. If you're in a parish that doesn't have something for you and you're a guy, this is not some shameless plug for our ministry, but we can help you do something about that. We can help you build places where other people who are just as broken as you are can come and find that, that healing in the Lord. There's tons of resources out there like Dr. Bob Schutz and Sister Miriam James Hydland and Bart Schutz and Neil Lozano and Unbound and the JP2 Healing Center and all of these things that are out there. 
All you have to do is Google Catholic healing and you'll find treasure troves of, of, of resources to help yourself. But I guess the point is in all of that, none of that's any good for you until you decide that you want it. Until you decide that you want out of the prison cell you've created for yourself. As I said before, Victor, we're the only ones that hold the key. We're the only one that can unlock the door. And God is on the other side of it, rooting with everything that he is and everything that he has given that you will choose to step out of that door and look at him. And I promise you, if you do, you will never look back. Will the devil torment you with those things? Yeah. But you always have the choice not to turn back to him. Every day in that car or in, the, in my life, the devil shows up and he, and he tells me that I'll never be more than the cokehead I was. He tells me I'll never be more than the crappy husband that I was and the terrible father that I was. And I have a choice in that moment to either believe him and start going back the other way or to turn back and go, you know what you say doesn't matter. All that matters is what God thinks of me. And even though I don't see why, and even sometimes I don't believe it myself, he finds me worthy and that's all that matters. Because when we die, there's one opinion that's going to matter and it's not mine, it's not the devil's, it's not yours, Victor's. Victor, it's God's. Mm-hmm. So my brothers and sisters, I did not have intended a 45-minute show of whatever this has been. But I know one thing in my life that God wants each and every one of us to return to us. He doesn't want to lose any one of us. And so stop being on the side that's trying to help lose yourself. Stop sitting in that pit and start believing that if God could change me, if he could change Victor, if he could change all these St. Augustine and all these other people, that he can do the same thing for you. But it takes you believing that. And it takes you being willing to, to, even though all that pain and all that brokenness is still there, to be willing to stand up and to try your damnedest to run to the Lord who wants nothing but your healing and your redemption and you with him forever in heaven. So Victor, let's, let's close this out in prayer, brother. And, all of you out here that this is a nerve with, I'm praying for you now. This prayer is for you. It's for all of those who don't know the Lord that you would come to know him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our brokenness. I thank you for the pain and the torture and the suffering that you allow us to go through because it's exactly through that that you want to bring us back to you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and for your love and for your mercy and for your desire to heal and, and to provide hope for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for choosing to take on the pains and the sufferings of the cross, not to be some pretty design on a Catholic trinket, but to to show us that you gave everything for us and that us includes me and you and I individually, right? Everyone listening to the show today, that it's for every one of us, that you've gone to great lengths, the greatest lengths to bring us back into redemption, to bring us into resolution with you and into, into just a redemptive relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. Father, I thank you for the show. I thank you for the ministry. I thank you for everything that you're pouring out through our tears and through our willingness to be vulnerable. And Lord, I would ask that everyone here that hears this prayer just takes it to heart and, 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 and finds the courage to get out of the muck, to pull themselves out of the quicksand, to reach up for your hand of mercy and to grasp it and to never let go and to meet you in that confessional so that you could pour out your mercy upon them like you never have before like they never have received before in their lives, Lord. I pray this and everything else and all the needs of those who are listening, and I pray it at your feet in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, 
go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.